So, um, we're now going to a set that is concerned for fulfillment and freedom. Number seven, intention defines interest and therefore attention. A person demonstrates their maturity by what they pay attention to in the world. Um, the easiest way to find out what somebody's intention is is literally look at what they give attention to. <coughs> you know, so, um, I mean, so if you're just listening to somebody in a conversation, for instance, if the person keeps on raising, giving attention to issues of wealth, then you know that's what floats this guy's boat. That's what he's there for. You know. Um, now, obviously, uh, people can. Um, uh, they can cheat. I mean, they can make out as if they can play a, a facade. But it's what the person does, wh where the person's attention goes when the chips are down that really demonstrates the case. So if a person's in a situation where what their immediate self-interest is and what's the right thing to do is not the same, and they act on their self-interest, they, they give attention to their own self-interest, then, then you can make an assessment of the person's intention, and therefore you can make an assessment of the person's maturity. Now, the, so number eight, if you pay attention to what you want to get from the other, the other's ability to withhold what you want makes you manipulable. They are strong and you are weak. When you pay attention to what you should be giving to the other, the other no longer has power over you. The empowerment of the self therefore co co coincides with the shift of attention of the self from taking to giving, from expectation to contribution. Now, this is very interesting. Mm. Hey? Mm. Do you remember the conversation we had about um, um, a, a friend of ours who, um, who, uh, who understood empowerment to be getting tenders? Mm. You know, empowerment is about... Um, what you get now. And that's really what empowerment has meant in this country. I mean, you know, empowerment is really concerned with people being given stuff. Mm. Mm. Not that it's helped anybody. It hasn't made them powerful, it's just made them more weak. Needy. Yeah. And needy. Mm. Because the, you, the power is... is, is I and mean, we have spoken about this before. I don't know if maybe you've not heard this. If I want something which is yours, let's say your tasbi, I want your tasbi. Who can withhold the tasbi? So who's got power over who? You've got power over me. So it's absolutely vital you understand this. If you feel like you're weak, if you feel like you're a victim, look at what you're giving attention to. Because if you're constructing your intent on this is what you want, you will become a victim. Mm -hmm. You will feel like you're under the thumb of somebody else and you'll feel that you're vulnerable. What have you got power over? What do you get from others or what do you give to others? What do you give to others? So surely if you want to be powerful, you should give attention to what you're giving to others. Because that's where your power sits. That's what you have power over. 
You have no power over what you're getting from other people. So if you construct your intent on the basis of what you're trying to get from other people, you will become weak. Very simple. So one can say, Chef, uh, <coughs> a human being is so less empowered at any given moment in their lives to give something, regardless of the situation. Absolutely right. We are always. Absolutely. We right. always have that power. Absolutely right. You uh, to to give or lose. Because yeah, if I if yeah. if I want to hold on, to, if I keep on wanting to get, then I'll lose stuff and it'll be painful. But uh, uh. if I'm willing to always give, whether it's my time, my generosity, my courage. My material stuff, I'm always empowered at any given moment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, number nine, the degree to which a person's motive is conditioned by their expectation is the degree to which they are defined by the outcome of events. Mm. The more unconditional a person is with regard to what they're contributing, the more they'll define the outcome of events. Do you see that this is actually the implication of the previous statement? Mm. Mm. If, uh, if I want, then, then, then the outcomes will affect me. If I'm willing to forego that, it's a very strange way in which Allah's put this universe together. You know, when you, off, when you, you define outcomes that you're willing to forego. Mm. Yeah. The more you gun the outcome, the more difficult the outcome is. The more you construct yourself on the basis of what you should be putting in, and the less you worry about the outcome, the more the outcome comes towards you. That's a, that's a rule of the universe. It's how Allah's kind of put things, constructed things. Because you know? yeah. it works the same thing as loyalty. You know, if... Um, The person who has real power is the people is, is the person who, who, who other people are loyal to. Yeah. Other people become loyal to you <coughs> not because of what you're trying to get out of them, it's because of how you've been serving them. So it's what, based on what you're giving that you have power. You know, if you're just trying to get stuff from people, then uh, then they're always trying to get they're always trying to take you out. Mm. Basically, it's true. You know, they, um, yeah, exactly. They'll they'll try and frustrate you. But it is always the case if we look at politics. The person that is in power is not always the person that is giving. Yeah, now you must understand how we understand power. We're very deliberate to distinguish between power and control. Right, so. And the first place to kind of make sense out of this is not actually in a political setting, but in a work setting. Who's got genuine power? You say you're working for a boss. Who's got genuine power? The boss that you would work for because you have to, or a boss that you'll work for because you want to? Who's got real power? The want to. Why does that person have real power? Because <coughs> he's willing to keep it. Well, it's because you're loyal to that person. Yes. Mm. Now, in, so, now, now, this is interesting. So if you're loyal to me, that's when I have power. But, I mean, I don't have it. You give it to me. Do you understand? The moment I create the condition where you don't have a choice, where you now have to, 
That's when I'm trying to control you. I'm trying to make sure I get out of you what I want. But then you become hostile to me. I no longer have power because I no longer have your loyalty. So control and power are opposites. They're not the same thing. Because be careful how we use the word power. I mean, you, you, know, you only have power if you're willing to forego control. You only have, because without loyalty, you have no power. And it's true, if, if we upscale it to, to politics, Che Guevara, Nelson Mandela, Petrus Lumumba, and all of those people, they gave their time, their, you know, their bravery, their courage. They didn't take anything from anyone. Mm. And that's what made them powerful. Mm. Not what they wanted to control or take. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I'll give you another example, Umar, if this doesn't make sense. Do you want, shall I give you another example? To make... It makes sense, but you can give another one. It still relates to this work thing. So, I'm the boss. And what I'd like you to work out is which one of these two people are going to work for me because they have to, and who's going to work for me because they want to. So I say to Sidi Yusuf, Sidi Yusuf. <coughs> so the two people are Yusuf and Katlecho. And I'm very experienced in a job that they both have to do because I did that job many years ago. 80 years, yeah, in 1980 I did that job. I'm very old. I said to him, Sidi Yusuf, in 1980 I did the thing that you have to do now and what I did worked. Don't argue with me. Shut up. Go and do what I did. I said to Katlejo, Katlejo, in 1980 I did the thing that you have to do now and what I did worked. It might be helpful to you take a look at it. All right. Which one of these two are going to work because they have to and is going to work because they want to? Because he wanted yeah, me. Right. So in which one of these two have I got real power? Because he's loyal to me. loyal to me. I don't have power here. I only have control because I'm only interested in the outcome. You understand? So, so if it, in order to have this, <coughs> I've got to not have that. You only have power based on the degree to which you're willing to forego control. This, is another, this also has an implication with regard to the issue of vulnerability, you see. There's this, uh, a lot of work that's been done in <coughs> sort of um, modern uh, sort of leadership thinking around the issue of vulnerability. People have to, leaders have to be willing to be vulnerable. And it's not about sh demonstrating your weakness. It is understanding that, that, that without loyalty, you have no power. Your good auspices lie in the hands of others. That's what makes you vulnerable. The moment you try and demand it, then you no longer have power because they now become hostile to you. <coughs> we don't like to be controlled. No. <laughs> That's right. Um, so point uh, uh, number 10 to construct one's intention on expectation is to become a slave and a victim of the other freedom is therefore concerned with bathing one's intention and attention on your contribution is that clear? Yeah. Uh, absolutely, based on what we've just said 
Why, if I want something from you, I become your slave. When I'm willing to give you something, you can't withhold anything from me. I'm giving attention to what I have power, I become powerful. Mm-hmm. In other words, what does empowering people actually mean? By definition, therefore? By giving. Yeah. It means to make givers. When you empower somebody, you're making a giver. Mm. To make anybody attentive to their expectation, to make anybody kind of aware that they are owed, that they've been done in, and they have a legitimate expectation, that does not empower them, it enslaves them. Mm. So you have to understand that with the political discourse we've got at the moment, because it's a a discourse of rights, uh, not duties, Mm. what you're owed, this is not about your freedom. This is about your enslavement. Mm. Mm. You are really enslaved. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. You know, someone, uh, someone who once learned from you <coughs> said um, his marriage was, was, was coming to an end. Mm. I mean, he tried all sorts of things. And because him and the spouse have had a, a long interaction with you, the last thing that uh, was left was was to try out this giving thing. So they sat down and and you know and they said this this thing is coming to an end and it's, it's, going, to, it's going to really damage our kids and they're young. But <coughs> Ibrahim says basically says at any given point we're empowered to give. Mm. So how do you try this thing? What mm. what can I what can I give to this situation other than what to expect and what I want to get? And maybe if we did the same thing, it was a couple of years back and they're going strong. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Alhamdulillah. They, they got it right finally and they realized, actually, it's much easier, much easier. you know, being uh, in much service easier. of the other. Much easier. Yeah, much, much easier. And now the kids are looking at them and they're growing up knowing that uh, uh, dad and, and, and mom are, are there to, to serve each other. But they are there to serve us, and in return, mm. we have got to serve them. Mm. But when we go out there, our responsibility is to serve mm. community. Mm. And and what once that is achieved, there is no one who can control mm. you. There's no one who can take your freedom, because there's nothing you're looking for from anyone else. Mm. Um. Okay. So <clears throat> this is a, a concept that you'll, you'll come across more frequently if you sort of read my work. I, I, I like to distinguish between two classes of other, other than me. First of all, there's the social other, which is other people, you know. And the second is the totality of the other. And the totality of the, of the other is absolutely everything that isn't me, including other people. And clear, just as the word totality means, it's everything. Everything that isn't me in a given situation. Now, <coughs> the totality of the other rarely delivers a set of circumstances that coincide totally with, with what would satisfy the self at any given point in time. How often 
does the world give you exactly what you want right now? Very rarely. Very rarely. Mm. I mean, I, you can always find something to complain about, and we do, mm. you know? Which means if you're going to make what you're getting from the other the point, you'll never be happy. If you base your happiness on what you... Because the world isn't designed to deliver moment by moment the conditions that are going to satisfy you right now. Mm. It's just it's too complex. It's too, you can't do that. You're always going to be unhappy. Yeah. Mm. For a person, therefore, to focus their attention on what they want from the other, therefore, is to cultivate discontentment. Discontentment. Yuck. Unhappiness. Unhappiness. And the, the obvious corollary to that is if you're unhappy, well, what do you want? What are you trying to get? <laughs> you can reverse engineer the thing. You see, it's not just what you want to get that makes you discontented. Being discontented, if you're unhappy, then examine how you're constructing your motive. Yeah. Because you're the author of this thing. <coughs> if you're feeling like a victim, examine how you're constructing your motive. If you're feeling powerless, examine how you're constructing your motive. It's not a monster other who's making you unhappy. It is your expectations that are making you unhappy. One's own behavior, in other words, the, the, what one is doing or giving to the other is always within one's own control. To concern yourself with the nature of your contribution is, therefore, to cultivate a habit of fulfillment. If my happiness is based on what I'm, <coughs> I'm contributing, because I've always got control over what I'm contributing, I'll always be happy. You know, every one of these things, you actually just take that one <coughs> and you need no more. Every one of them implies everything else. <coughs> okay. So I'm going to stop there because that's a good set. I mean, that's, um, that's, uh, so we pick it up again. We'll pick it up at number 13, which looks at generosity and courage. Um, any questions with regard to this? So just to go and chew on it, really. <coughs> it's really that simple. <laughs> it's really There's good. another copy for it. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> I'd like to have one more uh, when so, I visit my chef on the TV. Sure, sure. Um, chef, can you please make an example? Um, like you said, you maybe want this, this beer. Uh. Um, so if you want it, then you have over chef. But if you chef is willing to give something, get it. Well, so if I'm willing to forego what I want from him, and not make that my reason for interacting with it. But to ask myself, how can I, <coughs> how can I help him? And make that my reason for interacting with him. He no longer has any control over me. You have to forego the tasbih. That's exactly the point. You have to forego what you think you want. The interesting thing about foregoing what you want 
is that's that's when it comes to you. Yeah, when you give up. So, I have these two people working for me, Siri Yusuf and Siri Katlahu. In 1980, I did what you have to do. Shut up and go and do what I do. These are appearing, I mean, really. In 1980, I did what you have to do. It might be helpful to you take a look at it. He's loyal to, loyal to me. Where am I trying to control the outcome? This is where I'm trying to control the outcome. Where am I likely to get the better outcome? <laughs> Why? Because <coughs> he's now my ally. He wants to do it. <coughs> You're my enemy. You want to withhold it. So strangely, when you forego what you want, it comes to you. And you can't pretend. Mm. You can't show us, <coughs> you can't give us a show. <coughs> no. You know, you don't want, you, you must really not want, not want you it. You must really forego it. Forget, forego it. Yeah, yeah. Now, because the thing is, you're not dealing, so who are you, who are you interacting with? Whenever you turn is the face of Allah. Yes, yes. So there's a genius. They plan and he plans and he's the best of plans. So whatever scheming you're doing to try and manage outcomes, there's a big, bigger schemer on the other side, which isn't the person you're dealing with. He, that person's just like a... Um, uh, yeah, like, well, like a puppet. Yeah. <coughs> You cannot hide your intention from him. No. And he will deliver for you the just outcome for your intention in the fullness of time. This is ingenious. Yeah. Extraordinary. It's that simple, really. Really, it's that simple. Yeah, absolutely. As, as, as a process, it's really that simple. Because the moment you stop wanting, mm-hmm. you That's chilled amazing. out, yeah. Life is great when you're not looking for anything. Mm-hmm. Then the pieces, they just tend to fall together. The, exactly. <coughs> you know, and it comes back to that ayat. Because when you, when you start planning, then you disable his plan. Because you're interfering. Mm-hmm. His plan is genius. If you, if you rely on that plan to unfold, there will always be a better outcome than the one you were trying to, to pursue. One that will surprise you. SubhanAllah, look at this now. Mm. Alhamdulillah. Thank you, mm. gentlemen. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Rahman ar-Rahim Maliki Medin Iyaka Na'abdu Wa Iyaka Nasta'in Ahdina Sirata Wa Mustaqim Sirata Ladina Anta Alayhim Ghayra Mardubi Alayhim Waladdaalin Ameen Subhana Rabbika Rabbil Izzati Wa Ma'asifun Wa Assalamu Alaikum Wa Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen